1: I support several other podcasts on Patreon, and mm-hmm. if you're a patron, don't worry, it's from my account, it's not, for, we're not putting Cryptopedia funds to, to fund other uh, other podcasts or anything, mm-hmm. but one I do listen to is um, Nerd Poker, they do uh, mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, they're, they're doing a, a Tomb of Annihilation run with, like, Scott Ian from Anthrax, and Tom Lennon from Reno 911, and... and all that and that's fun. And they do um, mm-hmm. when they read the, the the patrons have started making because they read your names, lewd he man jokes their names to get them to laugh, and it's very fun and everybody likes it. And I also support another podcast, uh, Pizza McDonald's, but I also support uh, Boogie Monster, where they do listener Q and A, and they just released a new Q and A episode. And I'm used to hearing my name as um, like Kyle Canine. will say like oh, and this one's from from Brandon, and he it, and then he reads the question. I forgot to change my name back for making the He-Man joke. So this last one, I I, I heard. Oh, looks like we've got a, a question here from uh, Orco's Prostate. <laughs>
0: Does he even have one? I don't know. <laughs> this is now. This is now. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Brandon. Yeah. Brandon, stop me. Stop by you. Googling. <laughs> I don't know. goes. <laughs> I need help. Okay. It looks like I found a scholarly article about prostatic carcinogenesis. So prostate cancer. Yeah. Like. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, it looks like it's a lot of prostate cancer is what that pulled up. Ugh. That's, oh wait, uh, did I spell it uh, wrong? Great. I might have spelled <laughs> it wrong. Okay, orco prostate elevated PSA four K score test helps in prostate cancer biopsy decision. Okay. Well. Ah, interesting. Oh, also happy um happy half anniversary. That was last episode, wasn't it? Or There's 52 with... weeks in a year. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Jeez, we've been doing this for half a year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like the long... <laughs> the bots. Uh,
0: <sighs> we've... This is the 13th episode I've done. Right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Divided by two. And the last one was the 13th episode you've done. Yep. So this, these are two lucky episodes, apparently. Two very, um,
1: very lucky episodes.
0: I think I've started to lose grasp of reality. Um, this episode releases on, let's see, 18th of March. Is there anything yeah. special about the 18th of March? Oh, it's day after St. Patrick's Day, so people might be hungover. Ah, yes. Um, so I guess this is for you. Um. Jeez, <laughs> I i'm I'm amazed that we've found twenty six episodes worth of content yeah oh
1: there there's again and the um the the other podcasts that do folklore and cryptozoology and paranormal and stuff by episode twenty six it's mostly them talking about other stuff. I'm not saying that we're not talking about other stuff in the episodes, but it's like there's just full episodes of <laughs> <laughs> just talking about other stuff.
0: It's so weird. I, yeah. I this is such a weird subject matter, is what this has taught me. Where it's really difficult to get really decent content. It um, is. Well, the the two weeks in between because we record
1: every other week yeah. is is at least one full week is get home from work, feed the cats, do yard work, research, go to bed, and that's for
0: like a full week. I will have a full disclosure that's not how I do it (laughs) I procrastinate for two full weeks and then the night before I stay up till 2 a.m. and write it
1: that's still impressive that you can get a full episode out of uh uh, like one like pulling a later uh uh, and and be able to get something
0: I have always been I have a talent for bs not lying (laughs) Not lying. I have a talent for uh finding enough data to fill a to fill time. <laughs> that's that's my secret talent. Yeah. If I had a superhero, it would be he's good at writing essays. <laughs> so he's it's the probably the worst. Su- it, or the professor.
1: Or the professor. What are you waving around in your hand?
0: It's a toothbrush. Okay. I use it for I use it for dusting transformers, so. because um, sometimes you get a little bit of dust in them cracks. You gotta, you gotta take a little toothbrush and just gently go over it. You've been
1: watching too much of Craftsman.
0: I actually haven't been watching that much Craftsman. There's, you just did his voice. I know. He's a craftsman. He's a great. He has a great YouTube series so if you've never heard of it google
1: craftsman it's a asmr crafting
0: well i don't
1: but he's a felt human
0: well he's not a felt human he's he, he's a human human he's made he out of has... felt he wears okay
1: he has he talks as a puppet made out of felt and when you see his real hand he built a sleeved covers hand that's made out of felt to look like it's the puppet's hand
0: in some videos in some videos. <laughs> All right, I'm going to I'm going to launch into this episode. Okay. Cuz I I think I complained I talked about a mall story for like 10 minutes last episode <laughs> and I I let's let's just get, cut straight to the uh straight to the cheese. No, it's not cheese. It's something else, but it doesn't matter. Um let's get to the so... grates. Uh this is Cryptopedia. It's a podcast where we talk about Um we talk about cryptids it paranormal stuff and you know sometimes I just rant for an hour. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um uh, I'm John. I'm Brandon. And yeah, this is this is a weird thing. So um this week's uh Cryptid yes. was first sighted, and I'm almost 100% sure this is legitimately the first sighting of it uh-huh in 1893 okay its region is north america and its taxonomy is weird uh, its taxonomy is weird I, I call it a nightmare chimera uh that's interesting um you might be able to guess what this week's cryptid is though if you follow the trajectory of my last one that i did Okay, so I'm going to guess it's a, a fearsome critter of
1: sorts. Yep. Uh, uh, North. What region of North America do we know? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. A, a weird... That's hard. It's taxonomy is weird. I'm assuming Jackalope is well, further south.
0: Yeah, it's... It's four-legged but I when you see the pictures you'll you'll understand what I mean. Oh, it God. doesn't really look like anything. Yeah. It looks like nothing. That's the problem. Oh. This
1: is hard. I I'm not I don't know all my fearsome critters. I also don't know a lot about 1893 Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm trying to think um I don't even have any references that I could think of. Uh, yeah, well, because this is from the,
0: it's from the dark period of American history where you forget everything. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm really struggling. Um, uh, it has I'll give you one more hint. It has nothing to do with Ben Kissel.
1: It has nothing to do with Ben Kissel, so it's not a Bigfoot. Is what you're telling not a me. Big foot. It's, it's not, not a Bigfoot. Big it's not a Bigfoot. It's four-legged. It's Wisconsin. I'm going to guess that it is a... Uh, I need more data, but I don't want to ask you about the description yet.
0: You'll, it, you'll know. You know. I know for a fact you know this fearsome critter. There's literally no way that you don't know this fearsome critter. It's...
1: Uh, it is a... It's either a drunk guy in a mask or a misidentified bear but the name of the creature is the it's the Wisconsin wild
0: man no oh no not even <laughs> not even close shoot like not even like a little close uh this week's cryptid is the hodag it's the hodag i should have it's the hodag should have guessed I, well that's why i'm like should have guessed uh, it, it's in the, it's in the broadcast folder. Um, okay. that's why I was kind of confused because I was like, oh, come on. He'll get it. Cause I'm doing hoop snake Hodag, Jackalope. Ah, cause it's the thing. It's the thing that we do. My whole thing is I thought you
1: were going to try to like, 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 like juke. I thought you were going to juke. I thought you were going to like, boop, like, boop, and try to change well, it. Try to try to make me think it was a Hodag, but really it's the Wisconsin ah. wild man. So, this week's no... episode is on the world famous
0: Wisconsin Wild Man. No, no, it's still not. I, I don't even. Is the Wisconsin Wild Man even a thing? Did you just. Wisconsin Wild Man Rule 34. <laughs> I did it again! <laughs> there's a guy. There's a picture of a guy holding a fish. He's got a YouTube channel. Um. He's... There's a guy in a wild man... Okay, well... So, there is no Wisconsin wild man. Nope. There are people who claim to be a Wisconsin wild man. And this child... Picture of a child, for some reason. <laughs> oh, it's a Special Olympics thing. Okay. Um. Anywho. So, this is a continuation of episode... 24? You got it. Yeah. This is a continuation of episode 24 on yes. the Cryptopedia series of fearsome critters oh yeah um, for those who haven't listened to episode 24 i'd recommend listening to it before listening to this episode because oh. we're going to make assumptions that you have uh. an understanding of what fearsome critters are yeah. and some of the notions of folklore and mm-hmm. for the sake of people who are listening in order or listening close together i'm not going to go over them but for okay. a really brief a really brief primer or review uh, the Fearsome Critters are an assortment of tall tales in local legends. Canonically, they're collected in the 1939 book by Henry H. Tyron, Fearsome Critters. The vast majority of these critters originated as lumberjack stories aggregated by this individual. Uh, this is the second in a loose series of the Fearsome Critters for Cryptopedia. And as I said before, for more details on the general phenomena, please consult Cryptopedia 24. Oh, Yeah. This episode, we're gonna dive straight in to the hodag. Nice. Um so the hodag's a little weird. Usually I like to go over like well what the defining traits of a creature are before I really like go into the story of it. Yeah. Um but all the accounts that I could find differed pretty wildly.
1: Okay. Um so for, right off the bat, at the top, the first thing we see there's the outline, and then there's the um, the, the illustration of the hodag. And this illustration appears to be the best. Th- I would describe it as a dragon, but not super yeah. big. It, it's like a 15, 20 foot long, four legged dragon. It's got uh, what appears to be two horns, a spined back, and no wings. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like a bull, a bull
0: shaped head. Yeah, they, they there's there's some like claws tail. Yeah, tail. sometimes people describe the head as being frog-like. Other times, something else. Okay, um, it, it's it's really difficult to pin down because mm-hmm. um, it's so big.
1: Yeah, can't well, get a hold of that it. too.
0: That's true. It's it's a slippery bastard. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's,
1: it's where they get petroleum. It's
0: it's milk. But it's a very strange. Creature and the the, yeah. the particular picture that Brandon's talking about was a woodcut from uh, Fearsome Critters, mm-hmm. um, which was the Henry H Tyron version of it. Uh, and of course, as always, this is in the uh, the research notes mm-hmm. that we release on our Patreon. It has a um, uh,
1: interesting Latin name associated he, with it. Uh, yeah, I'll say air quotes Latin. It's the Deformis Cor- Corniger uh, Lacrimons.
0: Yeah, um, so. If you remember from last ev- the last episode we did on fearsome critters, uh, Henry Tryon has a tendency of creating fake Latin names for these creatures <laughs> that don't really work as Latin. That's fantastic. Um, so uh, let's let's just uh, dive into let's it. Just let's let's squish. So I'm gonna start out by reading uh, Henry Tyron's account of the Hodai. Let's see what old Henry's got to say. Reported in Maine many years past, and in 1895 captured and positively identified near Rhinelander, Wisconsin, by Mr. E.S. Shepard, the hodag is indubitably one of the best known of the larger and more dangerous wood farmings. It is now very rare, probably owing to the increased use of lemons in cookery, for the hodags and citrus fruits are in the same ratio as wolves and wolf beans. Probably more so.
1: Right off the bat, I like that we have a physical specimen. It's been captured. Mm-hmm. He also classifies it as a varmint, and that it is it is a varmint. That woodcut, I would not call that a varmint. I
0: also would not call it a varmint, considering it gets up to like a hundred. Like one of them was like hundred and sixty-five. Oh, another was man. like two thirty. Yeah, uh, they're they're heavy little little monsters <laughs> um,
1: that love citrus they invented this where warheads uh, no. come from no? actually no they
0: hate citrus oh sorry uh,
1: sorry wolfbane. yeah
0: yeah a single lemon will kill a hoedad
1: oh that seems um unhelpful Unhelp- narrowly un unhelpful yeah
0: well we'll get it i i, I do get into that well, i effect.
1: guess everything is poison to cats and there's a lot of those, so I won't I won't hold that against them.
0: Yeah, everything is poison to cats. Look at but if you're looking for houseplants, all.
1: all of them are poison
0: and cats all they do is chew on plants. Yes. Cats are strange because they want I I have never met a cat that has not seen something that was harmful to them and said, Yeah, I'm not gonna eat that. It's yeah. always no, I'm gonna eat that thing. Yeah. Did I tell you that uh, Jiro has now taken to eating bread? Oh, my pets love bread. I have to keep it in the fridge. That's what I have to do, too. It's his literal favorite thing in the world. And not only that, he's figured out how to open literally every door in the house with the exception of the fridge.
1: (laughs) So my life is a nightmare. So let's see. He enjoys. We know he likes red bean. Mm -hmm. We know he likes bread bread now um did he ever get into goldfish i think he might have gotten into goldfish once. he definitely got into goldfish at one. Point.
0: well so here's a very fun here's a very fun story i get home the other day yeah and you know it's a late i got home late because i think i was like i think i had to go to target to pick up some stuff mm-hmm. um so i get home and i round the corner into my kitchen because my my doorway is like near the kitchen and the trash is on its side. I'm like, "What? So we recently had steak, and I'm like, maybe he was like going after like maybe some of the gristle or something like yeah. that, or or maybe he was going after the like packet that the steak came in. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, no, you know what he went for? <laughs> the single heel of bread that was thrown out <laughs> It was the only thing that was eaten in the trash. And he destroyed the bag to get to it. <laughs> I'm increasingly convinced that this cat is a cryptid in his own right. The uh, I will say the nice thing about being...
1: I don't eat meat at home. I eat meat when I go out, but I just don't keep meat mm. in the house. Is that yeah. I no longer really have to worry about the cats trying to eat uh, yeah. everything. Because cats don't like eggplant or cauliflower. or uh, And they're really not interested in like... The uh the like vegan version
0: of uh like chicken cutlets or anything like that. <laughs> you see, that's what you think, but the second they get a taste for it, it's like a it's like a shark with human blood, man. <laughs> it's like a mess with a cookie. It's like a mouse with a cookie. A cat with literally any food <laughs> ever. The second a cat realizes it can eat something, it will eat it. Yeah. Oh yeah. But this is way off the point of HODES. <laughs> So, uh, Henry H. Tyron continues, A distressingly ugly animal, the knobbly head wears a pair of prominent bulging eyes and two heavy lateral horns, something after the fashion of a male stag beetle. The claws are stout and powerful. The tail carries a terminal hook while a row of jagged stegosaurians dorsal spines complete the picture. The smaller front teeth were formerly often used as umbrella handles.
1: uh... I don't know, I was going to make a comment, but it's like, that seems unlikely.
0: We're going to continue. The hodag is fully aware of its upsetting appearance. It's self-aware. And is, yes, and is given to frequent fits of bitter weeping. It knows <laughs> it's so ugly that it cries.
1: <laughs> okay, this is getting less and less likely.
0: Okay. I once had a handful of the extremely rare crystallized hodag tears. But an inquisitive yeah. lady friend collected them, believing them to be fine amber. She had them strung onto a neck yoke and then went and spilled the Tom Collins on herself. Of course, the lemon juice dissolved them instantly. Ah, uh, I like that they
1: crystallize as well. There's just the he's not even tr- like at least with the hoop snake. He was like, here's how long it is. Here's how quickly it travels. Here's how yep. poisonous it is. This one, it's like, it cries crystal tears, and it is self-aware and sad all the time because it knows it's ugly. It's got yep. horns and spikes. Yep.
0: Uh, uh, this fellow cannot be endure being laughed at. When angry, he is fierce and dangerously aggressive, but a pair of lemons is ample protection against the whole herd. What? So... Like you were saying, in comparison, to Hoopsnake, uh, the hoop snake, the Hodag's spears, and critter entry is, uh, by and large, a little bit underwhelming. But I yeah. think it's freaking hilarious. That's amazing. Um, yeah, in in Henry H. Tyron's account, the hodag is clearly a sentient creature, yeah. and it understands the notion of public ridicule and hates it. <laughs> So it's basically the opposite of a cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, at first, when I read it, it kind of almost sounds like a maldescribed dinosaur. Yeah. Um. But for the first time in the history of this podcast, it's a maldescribed dinosaur that is isn't an attempt to disprove evolution. <laughs> so, hey, that's something. <laughs> um,
1: and, and on the eighth day... He said, "Animals will be sad and hate lemons."
0: <laughs> Listen, to be fair, I get that. Although, then again, I love a, I love a good lemon. Lemons are good. I like them on yeah. things. Adds a little zest. Yeah, Add a little zest. Um. Also, what kind of weakness is a lemon? Is lemon juice like? I
1: don't know, right? So, using them as protection implies they don't have to be ingested to be harmful because I could understand something like eating something and getting sick but for two lemons against a whole herd that implies you could just fling lemon juice on them or like hold it up like they're vampires and you're holding a
0: cross Uh, i think that this might be because with the wisconsin area uh lemons are not naturally endemic okay nor is any like real citrus fruit yeah so, it might be one of those cases of, yeah, it's kind of harder to get lemons around here. So, I guess that's the thing that's weak, too. Okay. Because, like, most of them, I think, are grown in California. It's so. still a weird choice. It is a very strange choice. Um, but there is another thing, the, like you pointed out. The usage of a hodag tooth for an umbrella handle. Yeah, handle, yeah. That's pretty useful. Wow, I am burping a lot. On <laughs> something is happening to me. Um, uh huh. That, that that might be potentially a not type specimen, but it might be indicative of something. Maybe at the very least, maybe someone would claim they have an authentic hodag uh, tooth umbrella handle. Oh man. Um, I googled it. Yeah. And is there it was a thing? Nothing. nothing? It was oh, okay. There was nothing. It was a, it was a big old nothing burger. They are um, delicious though. Not really. Low in calorie. They're extremely low in calorie, but it doesn't mean they're delicious. <laughs> oh man! <sighs> I found out. Okay. So once again, this is another non sequitur. Yeah. I found out that Taco Bell now has a mini quesadilla. What? How's that it's, work? It's pretty good. Um basically they give you it in a uh So you know how the quesadilla's work at Taco Bell where they've got the like like uh the clear plastic and then yeah. the, the paper wrapping. Yeah. yeah. Um what Listen, they do, listen
1: John. My Taco Bell order is a number 7 with a Baja Blast. That's a chicken quesadilla. Mhm.
0: See, mine, mine's a little more complicated because I like the five-layer burrito, but there's no five-layer burrito number on the, the menu. Yeah. So I get a five-layer burrito, and then I alternate what my second taco is to be mm-hmm. either a cheesy gordita crunch, um, one of those those grillers. Like I like yeah. to get some of those grillers sometimes. Um, and now in the rotation is the mini quesadilla, which uh-huh. is basically just a soft taco shell with quesadilla sauce and chicken in it. <laughs> and it comes in like aluminum foil and it's great because it's like it's got that like slightly spicy chipotle mayo sauce yeah. in it and it also has um the only problem is it does tend to explode because it's not created in this traditional way of a quesadilla yeah right um but i also also the best value at taco bell hmm is whatever box they're currently selling. Oh, I believe it. Uh, If if it has a five-layer burrito, I'm pretty much guaranteed to get it because the five-layer burrito was given to us because the universe loves us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or hates us. I'm not sure. It's one of those two things. Uh It might be hatred, but I also have an extremely firm memory of the five-layer burrito because... Yes. Because when the five layer burrito first came out, that was the same time that High Five Soup came out by the audience. Okay. And I have this distinct memory of having purchased High Five Soup, <laughs> then walking to the Poughkeepsie Gallery of Food Court and eating a beefy five layer burrito while reading the liner notes oh, of High man. Five Soup. <laughs> uh, but, anyways, enough about my love for taco bell yeah (laughs) man i love taco bell yeah inventors of diarrhea that's chipotle oh i i could eat taco bell and not not poop through a keyhole but if i eat a chipotle it's it's all over (laughs) um ultimately henry h tyron's take on the hodag is largely lacking details yeah, um, the glaring exception being the range of the creature, which is kind of strange, Maine to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, and it calls out an event in 1895, which I'll get to in a minute. Okay. Um, to try and get a better picture of the hodag, though, I figured I might as well consult another fearsome creatures, uh, book. Oh. Uh, this okay. time it was written by William T. Cox in I think I yeah, it was nineteen ten. I wrote that down correct. Um Fearsome critter Creatures of the Lumber <laughs> that again. Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods with a few desert and mountain beasts. So it's a similar book. Uh it has a very similar style to the um Henry Tryon book. Mm-hmm. Although it did come out before. Um I do prefer to use the Henry Tryon book mainly because it has the fearsome critter name. Yeah. And I think that's funnier. <laughs> that's almost a hundred percent of the reason. Uh uh-huh. but, but but let's get into let's get into William T. Cox's interpretation of the Hodag, which has a different Latin name. Yeah, so the again the first thing at the top of
1: this portion is a uh a, an image is it another wood carving or is it an is, is illustration? It's a woodcut. Yeah, so so this one shows I guess like if you would cross a hippopotamus and a zebra, what you would get and the uh name of this creature is the Nesobatalus um
0: Histivori- Something like that. Yeah. Um yeah, so it's a very different take on a hodag. Oh, I uh, It I doesn't believe it. it doesn't even look like if you look at the pictures, it no looks horns, nothing like a no yeah.
1: crazy tail, no stegosaurus spines. Um this one stands up. The other one was like belly on the ground, kind mm-hmm. of four legs. This one has hooves. The other one had claws. Um it, very This one
0: different. looks This one looks more like a cow mixed with a dog. In yeah. It's really it's it's hard to describe uh links are in the show notes all that good stuff. So, this animal has been variously described by woodsmen from Wisconsin and Minnesota. Opinions differ greatly as to the appearance of this beast. Some claiming to be to be covered with horns and spines and having a maniacal dis- disposition. So, that's basically the uh Henry H. Tyrone version. Yeah. Right. The description which seems most authentic and from which the sketch of the animal has been made is as follows. Size about that of an, a rhinoceros and somewhat resembling an animal in general makeup. The creature is slow in motion, deliberate, and unlike the rhinoceros, very intelligent. Man, way to dunk on rhinoceros. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Like I mean, on in Beast Wars, the Rhino was the most intelligent member of the team. Rhinox was the best. He's still the best. Rhinox number one. All right, we're moving on. Uh, its hairless body is molted and <laughs> modeled and striped and checkered in a striking manner, suggested of the origin of the patterns upon Mackinac clothing now used in the lumberwoods. So kind of like the uh, the the what call it? What's it called? Uh, Pants. No Mackinac clothing. That's like uh, uh, what's the word? What's the word? It's flannel, like a flannel uh, shirt. I gotcha. It's like it's like a flannel uh, yeah lumber pattern. lumberjacky. Yeah, because yeah. you
1: always picture picture lumberjacks in uh, flannel. in flannel. Yeah.
0: So if you're imagining this, imagine a rhino covered in flannel. There you go. Got. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, on the hodag's nose, instead of a horn, there is a large, spade-shaped bony growth, with particular phalanges extending and up in front of the eye, so that it can only see straight up. That doesn't
1: seem helpful to anything.
0: Nope. Uh, this probably accounts for the deliberate disposition of the animal, which wanders through the spruce woods looking for suitable food. About the only living creature which the hodag can catch is the porcupine. Okay. Indeed, it would appear that the por- porcupine is its natural food. A Why? Upon sighting one rolled up in the... I don't know. Do porcupines That's... climb trees? Yes, they actually do. Ah, okay. That is a thing. That is a thing. Porcupines do climb trees.
1: Okay. I only know it from, like, uh, in, like, old westerns. like they're like, oh, the dog's got the porcupine quills in the nose, and then they gotta get the quills
0: out. Um... Porcupine quills will destroy a dog, by the way. I believe they're it. not Oh. Oh. There's a Brave Wilderness video about it.
1: Oh, ah, okay. Oh yeah, I saw that one. He um he basically slaps a porcupine.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it right now.
1: Like he doesn't slap oh,
0: slap it, but he like lets it He's teaching you know, He's teaching people how to uh remove the needles. Yeah. Oh. Oh. oh boy, that looks painful. Also, the porcupine's just chilling next to him after it quills him.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, he puts his body through a lot of stuff to, to like teach people. Like, There's one where he, he lets... What's the name of the really big snapping turtle? He lets one bite his arm to show you the kind of damage it'll do to your arm. An
0: alligator snapping turtle? Yeah, he,
1: an alligator snapping turtle. So he lets one bite him. And then he also does Ow. the whole... Uh, insect pain sting index which is amazing Brave wilderness, Coyote Peterson
0: I get worried for him
1: yeah, I think it's a sexual thing at this point
0: oh god, every time every time we mention Coyote Peterson
1: we talk about his fetishes
0: well the last time we talked about
1: him I don't think we actually said what it was (laughs) we were just talking about someone saying look at me like getting stung yeah,
0: that's, that's fair. <laughs> um So back to the hodag again. Uh upon sighting when rolled up in the branches of a spruce, the hodag begins to blink his eyes, lick his chops, and spade around the roots and overgoes the tree. He literally Overturns trees. Yes, to eat Porcupines, And if you actually look at the woodcut, you can see him doing it in action. Yeah, here's the uh, thing. It, if it's a made-up yep. thing,
1: why mm-hmm. not just give it the ability to climb a tree? That's a good question.
0: I actually have a theory for that. So, therefore, it must be true. So, my theory... Okay. My theory is yeah. that this iteration of the hodag is an explanation for why trees randomly fall in the forest. Oh, that makes sense, then. Yeah. Yep. I think I think it's a uh, a folklore tale that makes a mundane event into something interesting. If a tree falls
1: in the woods, did a hodag do it?
0: Yes, the answer is correct. Yeah. Yes, it is. As long as there's porcupines in them they're woods.
1: As long as there's porcupines in them there are woods.
0: Um so as it happens, the the porcupine loses gets the breath knocked out of it from the fall, and then the hodag straddles the fall, fallen tree uh and its front feet crush the helpless porcupine what that thing's brutal then it deliberately swallows the the porcupine head first
1: oh well that makes sense because if the quills are pointing towards the back then that would help in digestion yeah yeah
0: um the uh the final paragraph of this particular document is uh in the autumn, the hodag strips the bark off a number of spruce or pine trees and covers himself all over with pitch. He then searches out a patch of hardwood timber where dead leaves lie thick on the ground. Here he rolls about until completely encased in a thick, warm mantle of leaves. In which condition he spends the winter.
1: That's fantastic. That's I didn't yeah. picture it as like a coat for for sleeping. I pictured it as like, because <laughs> it's intelligent. So the hodag's like. I'm going to go stealth on these bitches. And then it just rolls in leaves
0: and, like, so is stalking sky porcupines. You're imagining a ghillie suited yeah, Yeah, uh, 100%. Porcupine. Like that a rhino in a ghillie suit. great. That would be pretty. Fr- <laughs> oh. Oh, no, that's a, that's good, a good, picture. good one.
1: That's
0: yeah. a good image. That's a good, good image. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, a ghillie-suited rhino.
1: Yeah, like pine needle. Well, at first I thought you, was, you were going to say pine needle so it could trick the porcupines into thinking.
0: like It's a porcupine? Hello, fellow porcupines. It's his <laughs> porcupine. Is Steve Buscemi a, uh, uh, is he a, he a hoedag? He's a hoedag. He's kids? He's teenagers?
1: a whole dag that got covered in pitch and rolled in human flesh. That's why.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. You, you forever, motto, you forever ruined my perception of of uh, Steve Buscemi.
1: Yeah, I met him once. He came into where I used to work before b- the job before my last
0: job. <laughs> Well, he came into the place where celebrities routinely came into. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So this is basically what I was hoping for. I wanted behavioral details. Yeah. Uh, It's more air quotes believable. Uh Uh-huh. And it paints a picture of a bizarre but somewhat believable animal in that there's nothing particularly outlandish about anything it does just other than super the, the impractical
1: rhinoceros that rolls in pitch and topples trees to eat
0: porcupines well, but also hates lemons it, Well, he, this this didn't mention anything about lemons Ah, uh, true all the all the like fantastical stuff is not mentioned in this gotcha um however its morphology not great uh not great it, its eyes are being forced to look up would be both a navigational and a survival issue. Um, Because keep in mind, in this region, wolves are apex predators. Yeah,
1: it's also a hairless, hooved creature, which, and I I might be wrong and might think of an example as soon as I say this, but we don't have those in the Mm, U.S. Especially in Wisconsin. Is there anything up north? I think every large mammal is is covered in fur especially in yeah that we have up up north
0: yeah no yeah. so it's it's not a uh whether it be short like a cow or whether it be long like um like the a... closest yeah the closest thing that i can think of would be like an Okapi, mm-hmm. but that still has fur so yeah um which is the probably the closest thing that this is described as but mm-hmm. regardless um it is possible that it has a deemphasized site, but I think... I, I, as I'm writing all this out, I realized I was overthinking the hodag. <laughs> so I stopped trying to explain it and just rolled with it. Yeah. Um, there Cause... are only two two clear points, though, that are shared between the two stories. Yeah. Uh, it's a Midwest cryptid, and it's intelligent, if not sentient. Yeah. I I just want you to know that Mm
1: -hmm. right now you are making Henry Tryon the happiest man not alive. Because little did he know, in 126 years, two people would still be talking about his hodag, using, for all intents and purposes, magic to throw their voices across the
0: world and tell other people about it. You're not wrong, but also <laughs> yeah, you are kind of wrong because it's not his. Oh, well, his using
1: his source material, which I assume the way it's written was intended to
0: make people go, no shit. They have that in Wisconsin. <laughs> it was it was definitely a hey, we got this yeah. wink wink. <laughs> um, but. 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 wink the weakness to lemons, yes. the crystallization of its tears and general morphology are all points of contention between these two stories. So, so let's take a trip to Wisconsin. Oh, okay. All right, um I'm going to go pick you up. All right. All right, I got yeah. I got gas in my car, so Okay. I'll
1: uh if we need to stop, I'll, I'll I'll cover the gas on the way there.
0: Well, it's Wisconsin, so we're going to probably have to to shift off on gas. True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let, let's 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 not be animals here. We can yeah. share. We can share the the, the cause. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rhinelander, eighteen ninety five, according to Henry H. Tyron. Okay. But it's actually eighteen ninety three. Uh. Okay. The, the story. The story that he was re- referring to took place in eighteen ninety three. Yeah. So. Eugene Shepard, a land surveyor, timber cruiser, and general prankster. Do you want me to describe the picture before or after
1: you read this part? Because it's amazing.
0: Uh, Let me read this part, and then you can describe it. Okay. Uh, He was walking in the woods on a fateful night in 1893, Uh when he smelled an unusual odor. Investigating the smell, he discovered the first canonical instance of the creature we've been describing in this episode. In The Hodag and Other Tales of Logging Camps, 1928, Lakeshore Kearney recounts the events, offering yet another description of the hodag. This is amazing.
1: Yeah, you can describe the picture. Okay. Imagine, if you will, the woods, the American north. It's, uh... There's no snow, so it's just normal foliage. But in... In that foliage, there's a man laying on his back uh, near a log. Standing over him is someone's interpretation. This is a photograph, by the way. This is not a, not a, a wood carving. A guy laying on the ground. We've got what I assume someone took, ta- like, taxidermied a badger and put a horn on it and drew a mouth on it. And then around that is uh, a group of possibly 15 to 25 Um, I'm not, like, villagers, I'm saying, they're not woodsmen. Um, they have pitchforks and axes. My favorite is the guy, dead center, with a vest, white shirt, and a bowler cap, who looks like he's just gonna punch it. (laughs) Yeah, he does look like he's just gonna punch it. It's so good! And they're clearly not all posing they're not no,
0: no they are <laughs> not
1: on the bottom right there's also a guy with a long rifle lower right hand corner crouching it's... down he's gonna shoot it right in the he's aiming below the anus he's gonna shoot the hoedag in the balls at like, yes. point blank range yes, look at those up... mutton chops some formidable mustaches on these folks as well there's also a young boy next to him just to his left <laughs> wait there's a young boy i don't see the young boy do you see the guy with the gun that's yeah. crouching down, the first person to his left that isn't the guy. Oh guy's... god, it is a child! That is a child! <laughs> and then see the guy that's in the middle that's gonna punch the Hodag? Yeah. Just over his right shoulder, your oh, left. Oh, there's another child! <laughs> wow! I did, not, I did not examine this photo at all.
0: So, I have no idea what this photo is from. <laughs> it's fantastic, though. Uh,. I just found it on, like, an article about this story. Yeah. And I added it to the the copy. Um, yeah. Because it's a great picture. It's so good. I, I think that this was taken in more modern times with a filter, but I could be wrong. It's possible. Um, they did good if it's a... But it, it's definitely at... not from the 1800s, that's for sure. No. Not even the late 1800s. So... Regardless, let's uh, let's let's get into Lakeshore Kearney's interpretation and in recounting of this tale. Though a student of wood war and of both prehistoric and other wild animals, Mister Shepard could not classify the monstrosity which he was, gaze- was gazing at him with glowing green eyes and sniffling from nostrils of flaming hue. The animal's back resembled that of a dinosaur, and his tail, which extended to an enormous length, had a spear-like end, sharp spines one and a half feet apart lined the spinal column. The legs were short and massive, and the claws were thick and curved, denoting great strength because claws indicate your strength. Um, yeah. Although the, I guess I guess the length, the legs being short and massive was the indication, but whatever. Um, the broad furrowed forehead was covered with coarse, shaggy hair and bore two large horns. From the broad, muscular mouth, sharp glistening white teeth protruded. The strange animal of the woods had an alert movement, and the swish of his tail made the earth tremble. When he exhaled, an obnoxious odor penetrated the atmosphere for some distance.
1: That is closer to the first description that we've heard. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's much closer to Henry
0: Tryon's version of the story.
1: But so far um, nothing says how Big it is. I mean, the second description um, it, the made second it rhinoceros like, but but yeah, the, everything is, else seems to be avoiding saying it, it, its approximate size.
0: I, I think I think that's deliberate. Okay. Um, I think it's deliberate that they don't say the size because, like, if you look at the picture, it's like like a small dog. Yeah, like a medium sized dog, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, But if you look at –
1: yeah, They might be using – some authors do this, and um, I – it's hit or miss depending on how they do it, where there will be a main character, which they don't really describe too well. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think the intent is that it lets you – assign your own characteristics to it or make you identify with the character more by assigning your own characteristics with it. So they might be doing that intentionally so you can make it for yourself as large or small or modify in your mind the aspects of the creature to whatever you like best. That um,
0: might be very likely. Yeah. Because the, the way that the story takes... It grows legs in the modern era. Yeah. Um, I think one of the becomes... authors
1: that does it best is um, uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Um, writes uh the King Killer uh yeah. Chronicles Quoth. Uh which is has a TV show and movie in the works, but the only thing they ever tell you about the main character is the color of his hair. Outside of huh. that, there is no description and it's one of the best books.
0: I still have to read Kingkiller. Killer. It's so good. If you like high my fantasy. List. Yeah, it's on my list.
1: Uh let me let me know if you want my audible info. <laughs>
0: No, <laughs> I, I I actually prefer reading. Okay, I've also books. got physical copies of the books. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll probably get around to it. Event. I have so many books that are on my queue to read right now. That it's <laughs> I still have to read the the Three Body Problem. And three Body stuff. Problem was so good. So there's a I got I got some stories I need to read. Um, did I tell you that
1: um Three Body Problem? Is the author writing about living in communist China, but through the lens of a sci-fi uh, novel?
0: Yes, I think you okay, told me that. because
1: yeah. it's it's a translation from Chinese to English.
0: That's right. Yeah, I now remember you telling me this. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to the hodag. Books are good. Uh Back to the hodag, mm-hmm. uh, you could make the argument that this is a more verbose take on the fearsome critter iteration of the hodag. Okay. Um or rather the fearsome critter iteration is a less verbose version of this. Yeah. Because this came out before the fearsome critter book was written. Mm-hmm. Um in this retelling of the story, uh, they do note the foul breath of the hodag which is actually pretty prominent in some of the more modern things that I've seen. Okay. Um, Now, after he finds the creature, mm -hmm. Shepard decides he needs to capture it. And you know, I like type specimens. So yeah, Yeah. let's do this. Um, The text that follows is some of my favorite description and like, Setup that I've ever read in my life, and I was yeah. originally going to summarize it, but I left it intact because it's so good. Oh, nice. Ruminating on a plan by which he might capture this animal, he hastened to the nearby village and disclosed his startling information to the Ancient Order of the Reviting Society. Uh,
1: I'm just going to uh, say it. You, there's, you can't have an ancient order in the U.S. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not really. Um, I did some research, and all hits return to this book. Oh, uh, okay. They might be a secret society, but if they are, they make the bo- Bohemian Grove look like it's public knowledge. <laughs> so uh, in the in the ancient tent of this mysterious order of the Reviting Society, behind the closed flap, he related his experience to those great world-renowned men, selected from the farthest corners of the earth, men of great courage and chivalry. They were men who, in the rough-and-tumble fight with a bear, would toss their guns to the brush, stick their bowie knives in the nearby tree, and give the bra- great... <laughs> the big brune, both underholts in their desire not to take advantage of the beast. This was the type of men he selected to help him capture this formidable nondescript. i love this description i love this idea of like this man's man society that's so so powerful that they freaking liam neeson Eh. they i I feel like they're like oh this isn't
1: a fair fight and just ditch all their weapons also that they didn't liam neeson it because liam neeson never fought a wolf in that movie. I yeah, watched he- that whole movie because I'm like, I want to see Liam Neeson's punch a wolf. And you know how that movie ends? You know how that movie ends? Cut he to black. puts cut glass, wraps it around his hand, and then there, it cuts to a wolf looking intense. Liam Neeson looking intense. He pulls back his fist like he's going to punch the wolf, and it cuts to fucking black. I watched that whole movie. <laughs> I watched that whole movie because I want to see Liam Neeson's punch a wolf, and he never did it.
0: So, uh, this, this, um, uh, this particular bit of this particular bit of, um, the whole movie Brandon Moore, the whole movie was pitched about you get to see Liam Neeson punch a wolf. Uh, so this, this particular bit of Brandon Lore has, I would call this the first thing that you got very upset at to me. <laughs> um, and this I think of all your be- movie betrayals in your life, I think outside in this is probably the one that you have the have the most um problem with. Yeah,
1: yeah, because it was the watch Liam Neeson punch a wolf movie, and it never happens.
0: Well, it happens just off screen. Then it didn't happen. No, what happened don't worry that that's like if A New
1: Hope like it opens then it cuts to black and then episode 5 comes out and then it just says there's the opening scroll and then an ellipses and then it just says we they did it and then that's it
0: yeah that's good (sighs) that's a new type of storytelling Uh, uh, after picking the A team of lumberjacks Shepard then makes an attempt to determine the taxonomic group of the hodag. However, it is largely nonsense. As such, let's jump. A, let's jump ahead to the good pit. It's kind of <laughs> like reading. Uh, it's kind of like reading Moby Dick. You know, when you get to the Cetology chapters, just skip those. Yeah. <laughs> Shepard <sighs> ordered a crew of men to dig the, a large pit several miles from the point where he had first sighted the animal. This huge excavation, which was fifty feet in diameter and thirty feet deep,
1: that's an achievement. Yes, was yeah. covered with
0: poles thrown across the opening. They I mean, thirty they didn't feet. Have car, they didn't have cartoons yet, did they? No. <laughs> it, it was fifty feet in diameter. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, the trap was successfully hidden by limbs and grass ca- laid carefully across the poles. So at this point, uh, Mr. Shepard is channeling uh, Fred with his plan. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. Yes. And as I was reading, I was half expecting the Hodag to become Old Man Jenkins. Yeah. Um, Because this is the most bizarre way to try and catch a creature ever. Because not only that, 50 feet is way too big. Yeah, So
1: so just just as a heads up, that's 29,452.43 cubic feet of dirt. 20,000, you said? 29,000. Okay, just, so just like 30,000. 30,000.
0: 30, that's a lot of dirt to catch one creature. Here's the other thing. A, yep. pa-
1: a cubic foot of dirt weighs about 10 pounds, which means they d- dug so much.
0: So like three hundred thousand pounds of dirt. Uh,
1: for yeah, yeah, for the sake of easy math, yeah.
0: Jesus. Fifteen well, tons. Well pleased with his strategy, Mister Shepherd selected a man from the North Woods to help with the daring adventure of catching the hodang. A young man of marathon fame. So apparently, he was in a bungee game. Um, and a noted ski jumper with many honors and medals was considered to be the person most capable of engaging the exploit. By request, his name is not mentioned because modesty as well as bravery was one of his outstanding characteristics. Of course it was. Of course it was. Why not? Why not? It's definitely there. That anonymous hero is definitely a real thing. There's no chance that it's not. Regardless, this unnamed hero then leads an ox through the woods to entice the hodag and capture it in the trap. So it's definitely not Paul Bunyan. No. Okay. So when he encounters the hodag, it lets out a growl so deep, loud, and sepulchral (laughs) that it fairly shook the earth, causing a vibration so great that it started a great shower of leaves and limbs from the trees. Squawk! I believe it was. I'm a hodag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a hodag. Hey, uh, oh. don't laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the plan ultimately works, and the hodag is trapped in the fifty-foot-wide pit. Oh. Um, it, as a reward, the hero gets a good bed and plenty to eat. Of course, he does. Now, before it abruptly ends the story, the author makes sure to affirm the masculinity of one of the architects of the plan. And actually, all of the architects of the plan, for that matter. Uh-huh. The men who had planned this hazardous feat knew to a certainty that there were no sloping foreheads or receding chins in their group. Huh? (laughs) They're basically... So, sloping foreheads and receding chins is, like, a nobility thing and it's like being an idiot because yeah. like what's his name uh that one spanish king king charles ii i want to say. I
1: believe it was joffrey son of cersei yeah uh that's some spoilers
0: right there uh there is it basically spoilers? they're not oh yeah i know that it is no it's it, not it, it's, it's, no spoilers it's, it's episode it's one husband. spoilers it, regardless uh basically they're saying they're not inbred morons yeah, um, yeah. They they lost no time in going to the private tent to confer with that mysterious man, Arthur Koenzer, which is the first time he's mentioned in the story, a brother in good standing in their order of the Revening Society. This man, with protruding forehead, known as a mastermind, he can never be accused of being so effeminate as to have pink lace on his underwear. Why? Quickly, Why?
1: Okay, so there's a, uh, a, just some rando who goes unnamed, but the guy in the secret society goes, Oh yeah. Uh, just go ahead and publish that in, in print though. Just put my name in print. Cause I'm in the yeah. secret society.
0: Yeah. Uh, one second. Look how big my forehead is. Apparently this guy, I forgot to look him up because I wasn't thinking he's like a real, there's a real Arthur Coencer from that time period, but, uh I'm not gonna do the research right now because mm. I legitimately don't believe that it has any bearing on the story um yeah. but he also- also it's really strange that they're like calling out his masculinity in that way and like saying he's a man's man, although I will note that it wasn't until uh, recently that pink became a a girl's color. Yeah. Um, and this book was in fact published. But I was like, as soon as I read that, I was nervous that I was well, reading a book that was like published after the fact. It
1: used to be that little boys and girls, it, it, there was not gendered clothing. There'd be yeah. they would wear dress. There you could see Teddy Roosevelt as a little boy in a dress because that's just how yeah. it was then.
0: Yeah, but. I think it was more focused on the lace than anything else, because I did verify this. Yeah. there is a physical book that has a publication date of 1928, and this was not just some internet thing I found. Okay, So. yeah. Um, but, let, finishing the, the little bit, quickly pointed out a way in which Mr. Shepard could exhibit his recently acquired animal with safety. Um, but, that's not the end of the story. It's the end of the story in the book. They yeah. mentioned like the Hodag laying eggs in the book, which was weird. Oh. Um and said that they would cover it later, but they don't. So I I don't know. This story is really freaking hard to pin down. Yeah. Because it's like a bunch of non-specific details, mm-hmm. which is always great for cryptopedia when you're trying to research something. Um <laughs> Yeah. So I did look to see if I could find a newspaper article for it. Okay. And in a weirdly surprising case, I was able to find a newspaper article for this. What? Yes. It was nice. in the New North October twenty eighth edition from nineteen 19- eighteen ninety three. Um it's a local newspaper in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. I'm not sure if it was a satire or not, because it says like, if you look at the article, it says it's from the snake editor or it says by the snake editor or by the shake editor. I couldn't read it because it's like, um, it it looks like it's by the snake editor. So maybe it's like a Mm -hmm. a joke section of the, of the, uh, newspaper. I have no idea. Um, there's no mention of Mr. Shepard made in this, this article. Okay. Um, but it purports that the Kodag was not killable by conventional firearms, and only Dynamite was successfully capable of killing the hodag. They should have tried a lemon. They should have, but apparently the lemon wasn't in the lexicon at this point. Um, the article also claims that the hodag was on display after being killed. Oh, and they um, had
1: Photography.
0: Which, actually, I found another article that says they took a picture of the dead hodag.
1: Ah, and said picture is still available. I couldn't find it, but I don't know if
0: that means that I was being lazy and it was 1am when I was writing this, or (laughs) if I legitimately can't find it. Um, But, I looked for a little more information, and I found a 2004 article written by Holly Hilgenberg about the hodag. In this account, the hodag is said to have only eaten white bulldogs on Sundays, like ice cream. Hmm. Um, incidentally, the original hodag, which was killed by dynamite, was not the only hodag found by Shepherd. In fact, he found one three years later in oh, 1896. Oh, how um, fortuitous! And he was able to catch this one alive. And some accounts imply it was through the use of chloroform, which is the third weakness of the hodag.
1: That's fantastic. I would love to see that. This is a guy sneaking up on a hodag. It's covered in leaves and in and, and, and pine resin, and he's yeah. got just like a bath towel covered in chloroform. Yeah, <laughs> and he—I'm um, assuming—is immune to chloroform.
0: The hodag?
1: No, the guy.
0: Well, yeah, because he's a strong man.
1: Yeah, look at it. Obviously. Look at his chin and the lack of lace
0: hmm That's how you know. And his forehead, it's protruded. Yeah. Like a Crow magnon Um This hodag would then make the sh- the rounds of both Shepherd's home and the first Oneida County Fair as a sideshow. In this sideshow, the hodag even moved and growled. Oh. However, it turns out that this hodag was carved from wood and bullhorns and puppeted by Shepard's son. Um which Shepard admitted to once the Sasonian sent scientists to investigate. The uh I just I don't know, I still love
1: Sideshow Gas.
0: Yeah. So it Basically the whole thing uh was a myth, was a myth created by the like town council to drive up tourism in a uh... lumber town. And the and Eugene Shepherd was basically the guy who uh who was responsible for it because he was a known prankster and like i think i read another story (laughs) where he um he basically got wood fish and made it look like there were fish in the in the lake to get people to stay longer so he could like sell stuff to them Uh, i like the cut of this guy's gym (laughs) yeah he's like a, a total prankster total like shyster type yeah and it's pretty great um I also I think, and I'm not sure, that might be the the picture down there in the the, the copy of yeah. the hodag. That might be the wood and uh, ox hodag from the picture before. If you uh, look at that picture and then look at the picture above, I'm yeah. pretty sure that that's either a reproduction or the hodag in that picture. I gotcha. Um, also, another fun note. Uh, the article that I found discussing him puppeting Shep- uh, Shepherd's son puppeting the hodag was yes. written by uh, Carrie Poppy of uh, Oiratsi. Ah, of Carrie. yeah. Right on. I realized that after I had already written everything. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's Carrie Poppy. Yeah. Oh, hey, how about that? Because I I used some of her sources to augment my sources that I found. So. Yeah. No, she, she. I trust her sources. She. she... Yeah. She's she's an actual journalist, yeah. As opposed to me, <laughs> who's a uh, for my fun, I read articles about cryptids and then talk about them for an hour, yeah. on the internet. Um. So yeah. <laughs> now, the modern hodag is wild. Yeah. Oh, so, I believe it. Uh, if you scroll down in the copy, and I I'll have a link to the. Chamber of Commerce site, which has a picture of this statue. It's fantastic. There's a phenomenal statue of the hodag that lives in front of the Chamber of Common- Commerce of Rhinelander, Wisconsin.
1: It looks like it might
0: be a painted wood carving. It is. It's gorgeous. It, it's, it's big too. Yeah, that thing's it makes, pretty big. It makes our our uh, our gnome look like nothing. Yeah. Um. So the hodag now has officially licensed products, which you can see on the Rhinelander site okay. uh, a series of art statues similar to what Catskill or Port Ewan has yeah um where you know like each ar- there's like an artist who gets a statue and then they set it up around town which yeah there's actually a thing for finding uh the statues around town um it has a collection of video games on the Rhinelander site fantastic uh there's a music festival and it's the uh the mascot of the local high school <laughs> um The official description of the hodag is covered in green fine reed fur. Height 30 inches. Weight 185 to 275 pounds. Length seven feet. Diet reports very widely. Mud turtles and water snakes, oxen, white bulldogs eaten only on Sundays. Reported to have the head of a frog, the face of an elephant, stout legs, a spiky dinosaur-like back, and a long tail. Smell is a combination of buzzard meat and skunk perfume. I wouldn't call it perfume, but okay. <laughs> um, basically, the long and short of it is the Hodag has come to represent the town of Rhinelander. It's basically, it's birthplace, as far as I can tell. Yeah, um, yeah. Based on my readings, I was unable to find anyone who truly believed in the existence of the Hodag. However, it seems to be an ascended prank where okay. everyone kind of carries it on in a spirit of good fun. And yeah. the Chamber of Commerce carries it on in the spirit of good capitalism. <laughs> um But yeah, so the Hodag is something, for sure. It's um, definitely something. It it doesn't have as storied and long of a history as the hoop snake. Yeah. But it does have a lot of it, it's definitely a slice of Americana, for sure. Uh huh. Cause the number of things in America that start with someone making a prank about something, yeah is frankly upsetting, mm-hmm. but uh yeah. yeah, so that's all I have to say about the Hodang this week <laughs> um yeah I really honestly I honestly don't know what else to say about the day because it's like it's such a wild non-entity type yeah. story. like it's clearly a joke like <laughs> there's no reality in which is th- this is not a t- tall tale no
1: i uh, i like it it's just a fun it's just a fun thing
0: now honey dipper dan now honey dipper dan Oh. I feel bad for Honey Dipper Dan after I had to use an outhouse. <laughs> uh
1: did I tell you I might have said this before, they're doing renovations on the bathrooms at work, so for the mm-hmm. one of the plants they put uh some outhouses outside, but this is earlier in the year where it was You didn't
0: tell me about that.
1: No, okay. So they put outhouses outside, but the the my concern was that if it's if it's like negative you know eight or whatever outside what happens if you get if you have a code brown and you get froze out like if the doors get frozen shut on the outhouses, and then you've got to run all the way over to one of the other plants rest in pieces is what that means you get frozen in the loo unless they're like heated them somehow but then in that case you've got to deal with heated a heated nope. outhouse. no nope. it's just I'm, all kinds of
0: bad i'm calling it audible I'm calling it yeah. audible. The podcast is ended. It's over. <laughs> we're done. Oh. See, you made Transmutate fall. <laughs> made her die again. Say, she isn't Transmutate fallen? She's dead. Um. So, as always, if you want to get in contact with us, and we're going to ignore the fact that you just talked about a heated outhouse. Yeah. Uh. The website is cryptopediacast.com. Our Instagram and Twitter are at cryptopediacast. You can email us at at cryptopediacast.gmail.com or us at cryptopediacast. Uh, we've got a Patreon. There's stuff on there. Um, we've got a Facebook group, which you can join. Uh, just search Cryptopedia. I think if you just search Cryptopedia, you can find it. Uh, yeah. Just search Cryptopedia and you can find yep. it. Um, it's a closed
1: group, so you can post all the weird shit in there you want and mm-hmm. uh your friends and coworkers don't
0: have to know about it. <laughs> it was deliberate. Uh, if you enjoy the show, be sure to rate review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um I did just recently get like a weird email. I forgot to mention this on last episode. Mm-hmm. I guess iTunes is changing stuff about okay. metadata. So there is a chance that we might disappear from the iTunes feed for a little while. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I'm keeping an eye on the situation, but we're still good so far. They gotcha. they made a bunch of like really weird like don't put don't put number episode numbers in your video names. Don't put metadata tags in your titles. Yada yada yada. But like for our podcast, I I kind of don't want to cut the episode number out, and yeah. I also don't want to cut the metadata information out of the title because it kind of our yeah. our podcast is a little weird because it's hard to. Uh, we 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 name the episode after something like a joke in the yeah. podcast. So and we also deliberately don't name it after the cryptid, which is a thing we decided on early on. So yeah. but regardless, uh we'll just keep an eye on that and if things go wrong, we'll try to fix it as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm. Um if you have any monster requests or stories, creepypasta, cryptopasta, send them our way. Eventually I'll read creepypasta again. <laughs> ah,
1: and if you would like you could find me on instagram at donkey underscore hands my website is boyerb.com. my email is brandon at boyer sorry is brandon at Cryptopediacast.com and my twitter is at crypto
0: brandon uh if you want to get in contact with me on instagram i'm at mu 2057 on twitter at jf dunham Hopefully my website's resurrected at this point because I actually have been working on it. Uh, Um, Nice. My email is john at cryptopediacast.com and that's all I have about
1: that. Our art was done by Tom Hill. You could find him on Instagram at Thomas Michael Hill. His website is greatergloryco.com and his email is tommikehill at gmail.com.
0: I'm about to start yawning, John. I'm Brandon and things are gonna get weird.